<clears throat> and with that, good evening, lunatics. Uh, it is Friday, March the 17th. Happy St. Patrick's Day. Hey, I, I got on green, by the way. I do not. <clears throat> I had a discount. I'm on, I'm That's on, close I'm enough. I'm wearing that. Yeah. So. Uh, Anybody pinches me, I'm going to kick them in the damn nuts. Okay? Right. So. We've got we, we got a full house here tonight. We got Richie. Is it, Richie is in the room. Richie's right in the house. Um, Phil just pulled in the parking lot. I cannot wait to hear Richie roast him about how bad flatbedders are at backing <clears> up. <throat> Phil uh, is in the house. So Phil will be with us here momentarily. Um, Larry, so, Larry and Chris are in the house. Yeah, and we're hanging on by a thread. And the Wildcats are up 38 to 31 to half. Well, praise Jesus. Um, so we decided to try a new broadcasting platform called Restream. Yeah, I, I had a whole lot to say about it, okay? And we, we really, really made that decision. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, well, listen, I got tired of the complaining because, I mean, at least now, so we're, so we're being told everything sounds good. In um, our, in our test drive the other night, it looked great. Sounded yeah. great. Of course, the problem is I was at my house. You were at your house. Yeah. Now we're down here in Death Valley where everything <laughs> doesn't work, you know, for some reason, but. So, uh, anyway, we, we didn't really have much of a, um, we didn't really have much of a topic until couple days ago and i thought we need to talk about the reasons that you should not go into business because we talk a lot about how you should go into business and 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 how to have the least risk in your business and how to do the accounting in your business but sometimes you need to not go into business and until you have reached a point where you have finally embraced what it's going to take you should not go into business. Um, and we see it, you know, we, we see people come in and they, they get a little taste of what it's like. And they're like, Oh my God, no, I don't know. I don't want to do this. I'm not going to do what is necessary. And in thinking about this this week or the last couple of days, I thought one of the things that motivated me personally to go into business was whenever I was an employee there was a lot of times that I would find myself willing to do things that other people wouldn't do, right? They would say, oh, it's not my job. It's not on my list. It's not my, pro not, not my responsibility. But I would do it anyway. And, and I thought, well, hell, if, if, if I could take that kind of work ethic attitude into business, surely I would succeed. Well, kind of. Uh, but it's one of those foundational building blocks that if you are not willing to do all the things that nobody else is willing to do, if you're not willing to be 24-7, 365, if you're not willing to work 168 out of 168 hours a week to make your business strong enough so that you don't have to do that someday, don't get into business because it's going to require a level of commitment, sacrifice, and work that you've never experienced as an employee. You think you've worked hard as an employee. You think you have, right, Richie? You know, and then business says, hey, hey, buddy, get you some of this. Yeah, well, you know, you what you just said right there, there's a lot of people that would take offense to that. But my family comes first, buddy. I don't, I don't do, my, my family's first. Mm -hmm. And that's fine. Just, you ought not be in business. Right. Okay? I mean, it, 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 the, the simple fact of this is, okay, and let's talk about, you mentioned a few words right there. Let's, we, we throw words around 
Mm-hmm. It reminds me of the movie. Um, what's the movie with Jack Nicholson where, he, where uh, he's a Marine? Oh, Officer and a Gentleman? No, 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 no. A Few Good Men. A few Good Men. We use words, son. We use words like, yeah. You can't handle the truth. But you, th- you threw out some words, right? You threw out uh, sacrifice. You threw out commitment. Mm-hmm. You threw out, um, I, there's another one I love, unexpected. I love that word. Yeah. I love the word accident. Okay. Because we use those words to cover up, you know, mm-hmm. inadequacies. You know, it's, I have a commitment until it gets in the, in the way of something else that I, you know, I, I am fully on board until something comes up that makes me not want to do it. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and the, the, the problem with this is that most people don't give themselves a chance. The commitment that they make is a commitment as long as things are working fine and going good and as long as rates are good and as long as we don't break down and as long as I don't do this, I know that it works. Mm-hmm. That's why the lease purchase is a horrible thing because it's great if it works. Yep. But the very minute that the unexpected, the accident come up, then all of a sudden it doesn't work anymore because the commitment's not there. Commitment means you do it whether you feel like it or not. You know, look, and I hate to keep referring back to this, but I, I drove every night for four and a half years. Okay. I drove every night for four and a half years. Did I get tired of it? Hell yes. You know, did I question my commitment? No, because I made a quality decision and I said, I'm going to do it. And I did it. And I put the blinders on. I didn't look back again. I didn't rethink that decision. I just rethought what I have to do to live up to, to that commitment. And in four and a half years, there were two times when that load didn't get delivered on time, including the time on September the 13th and September the 19th in 2013, where I broke this shoulder in four places mm-hmm. and was off work for six weeks. I hired the guy to get in my truck and finish and do that work while I was off because of my commitment. Mm-hmm. Did I have to do that? No. You know? Well, and, and, and we've carried that on now to where I can only think of one or two times that we've ever had to use someone outside of our fleet to repower a load when we were broke down or whatever happened. You know, we have gone and found we've either used one of our trucks or we've used a friend. We called somebody, but the Landstar Repower Department. Who's, that's their job, you know, to find trucks. But we know that if we let them take over, we lose some control of the money, you know, where we could, you know, I remember one time we paid a guy, I don't know, 500 bucks or 800 bucks. I'm like, hey, will you go deliver this load? And cut him a comp check. And he went and delivered it for us. Um, when I was on that dedicated account for, well, gosh, six of seven years or something, um, I was only off of that run three times and all three times I found the driver to replace me. Um, I, I called the agent and I said, Hey, I'm not going to be able to run this run this week, but I'm going to look and I'm going to find. And, uh, now the first time I did it, I found, I did find a guy on Facebook in one of the groups and he did it for us. He lives kind of close. And the last time that I did it was the truck show last year the driver that we had on it, we were going to go to the truck show, taking everybody. And so I put it on Facebook 
and I'm like, hey, put it in the group, say, hey, uh, here's what it pays, here's what it is, and oh my God. The numb nuts just came out from the woodwork of, I would just be sitting there when you get back, right? Cheap. For, I'm thinking, you morons. Um, so anyway, I ended up getting a star quality because I found uh, one of our mentoring clients. You know, he, he called, he texted me. He's like, hey, man, I'll do it. So he did it for us. And I think the other times when I was on vacation. Um, but we we have a responsibility to that customer. There, there's never when we take that on, we don't say, "All right, well, sure, we're committed to you as long as it's convenient for us." You know, and that's I've I've always had a love hate relationship with dedicated freight because one, it's kind of boring, same thing over and over and over and over again. But it's an extra level of commitment because I know they're counting on me, especially if it's an undesirable trip. Um, but I don't know if y'all know this or not, but undesirable is where you make all the money. When you go do stuff that nobody else wants to do, you go places nobody wants to go. So, well, getting back to those, those, those words that we threw around there, the, you know, we, we do a, a pretty extensive amount of vetting, you know, when we uh, take on a new person in our program. And, um, you know, we, we, we question a lot of those words and we question the commitment and we question their desire to do what it takes. Because here's the, here's the bottom line here, Chris, if, if, if there wasn't a problem with commitment, there wouldn't be such a failure rate. Okay. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, it, everybody, I think they just. They, they, they shut their ears and they shut their eyes to the, to the truth of the facts that a very, very high percentage, and this year it's going to be astronomically high, of people who do this are not going to make it. But yet everybody will do it thinking they're going to be the ones that, that, that defy the odds. And, and there'll be something to do, but there'll be something to do because of extraordinary effort, you know, extraordinary commitment, you know, a... Um, uh, doing everything over and above what you would expect them to do, you know, and, and those are the ones that are going to going to survive, you know, in in this um, in this twenty twenty three. But yet everybody thinks that that they're making the commitment, you know. They they come here. They're telling themselves, "Oh, I'll do whatever it takes." How many times we heard that? I'll do <laughs> yeah. whatever I'll do whatever it takes. No, you won't until they can't get home one weekend, right? Oh fuck! I can't. We can't do that. I mean, shit. <laughs> you know, my family comes first. You know. Yeah. So, you know, you just have to understand something here, guys. Uh, everybody should not be in business. That's why most people who go in business fail. You know, you find out that you know the, the beautiful thing about what we do is we let you come in here and figure out that you don't like it without having to go out and buy a truck. But you still come here and you lie to us and you lie to yourself that you'll do anything it takes to be successful. And we know for a fact that that's not true. You know, you do anything that you, you'll do anything that you that that it takes until it's uncomfortable. Until and and then here's here's what I, here's what really really gets me. This this burns my crawl. Okay. Instead of telling me, you know what, I, I just I, I do not have that commitment. You know what they tell me? 
my family comes first. Mm-hmm. Okay? They, get, they throw this at me. You know, this self-righteousness. Well, yeah, but yeah. Chief, let me tell you something. Your family, um, your family is, his, is the reason to do it, not to back out when it gets a little tough, you know. And I, and I can't imagine why, you know, and we tell people right up front, if you're coming here for a job, don't. Please don't, right? Um, but yet, the majority of people who come here and don't stay is because the job sucks. Mm-hmm. Okay? Working for you sucks. <laughs> All right? And if they don't get through that first line of fence, working for me is horrible. Okay? But we tell them up front, look, if you, if you want a job, don't come here. We don't have them. You know, if you want to learn what it takes to be in business, by all means, we can, we can, we can do that for you easily. But if, uh, if you know, um, you don't like the fact that, you know, you're, you're driving a truck that might have to, you might have to get out during your 10 hour break and work on something or, or, or get it checked in somewhere, you know, and the fact that you're responsible to do some of the things, because after all, we are training you mm-hmm. to do this for yourself, right? Yeah. Um, then it gets, it, see, then, then all of a sudden it's like, well, this job sucks, you know, mm-hmm. except we didn't, we told you to begin with, this wasn't a good job. This is a horrible job. Okay. It's a horrible job. But the reason that people go into business is to get rid of jobs, you know? Yep. I mean, when you own a business, you're the, you're the lowest man on the totem pole. Okay. The guy who owns his business is a guy outside scraping the snow in wintertime. It's not to hire help. Because they won't do it. Mm-hmm. I had, I, this, is a, this is a true story. I drove up to one of our dry cleaners back in the day, and there's snow up my ass everywhere. And I look up, in the, and the drive through's closed. Oh, sign in the drive through drive through is closed due to inclement weather. And they spelled inclement <laughs> wrong. <laughs> I said, motherfucker, that's what the drive through's for. <laughs> and so the customer doesn't have to get out in inclement weather, however they spelled it. Right. But yet you're going to close the drive-thru because it's not convenient for you. You're out of here. Fire, you're fired. Okay? But that's, that's the employee mentality. Mm-hmm. You know? 100%. <laughs> um, you, you get into business to not be that person. You know? It, it, it's not about how cushy the job is, how good the seat is, how loud the radio is. You know, we get questions, well, do you guys run, uh, do you guys run uh, APUs in all your trucks? Da, da, da. I don't know. Maybe we do. Maybe we don't. We've got a couple with APUs, but the damn things don't work, I'd and rather, they never work. I'd rather not. The only thing they're good for is to give you 400-mile or 400-pound uh, leeway on your scales. That's yeah. the only thing I find them good for. Yeah. But anyway, getting back to these words, commitment, you know. Um, commitment means I'm committed, you know. There, there's, there's a cultural thing with this, Okay. I saw a who's the who's the Jordan um, Peterson Jordan Peterson. Mm-hmm. Have you seen his thing about commitment and and am I my shacking up um, analogy I use? Hmm. Yeah, oh, you well, should. You I've should. Seen a lot of you Peterson. should Google that. Jordan Peterson sits there and says, "Let me tell you about um, let me tell you about living together." Okay, oh, versus getting I married. Have, have you heard that? Yeah. Boy, that's perfect for this. Mm-hmm. Living together means I'm going to take you on. But I'm going to keep my options open in case I find somebody better. Mm-hmm. Then your ass is out. 
Okay? Yeah. It's no different here. Okay? Oh, I'm going to commit to this until something better comes along. And then my, my commitment meant nothing. Yeah. Because the first thing I do, number one, <laughs> is I leave my truck in Wisconsin and let you come after it. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and I give you a negative notice. You know? Yeah. So, <clears throat> anyway. Well, and that was, I remember that there was, that was, I think that was Halloween. It was the end of October. And I could have been trick-or-treating with my kids. But instead, I was in a rental car headed to where? Uh, uh, Wisconsin. James, Janesville. Janesville, Wisconsin. That's freaking TA up there. To pick up a truck because this useless bag of shit uh, just said, well, I'm, I'm not bringing it back, you know? Uh, but, you know, uh, th- I, these guys have all watched me work on trucks and drive trucks and, you know, a guy broke down in Pennsylvania at 10 o'clock at night and I looked at my wife and I said, well, looks like I'm going to Pennsylvania. And I packed up my stuff and I got in a spare truck and I went up there and got him. You know, uh, Dave Ramsey, I looked this up years ago. This must have been... I think it was around the Occupy Wall Street day, so that's 2008, 2009. He wrote this thing called Butt Scratching and Bass Fishing, and it was this – he read it on the air, but he, he basically was talking about two guys and two people that he knew. He both, called both of them good men. These are good men. One guy owned a uh, – I think it was an HVAC company, had 17 employees, um, you know – but he made that $328,000 in a year, right? Now, then this other guy, John, who made $75,000, uh, worked in the factory, um, you know, expert on American Idol, knows what's going on all, on all the television. And he, he contrasted these two. Th- these are choices. One guy made a choice to invest in a business makes $328,000 a year. Another guy decides not to invest, just go and do the safe thing and get a job. The problem with that, and what I'm seeing right now, and you see it every time there's a cycle in the trucking industry. Um, hell, I got an email the other day, you know, because I'm on some list, and it was $2,700 a week to pull a Conestoga, regional truck driving job, you know, guaranteed one home one day, $2,700 a week. And I thought, you know, y'all are pain in the ass. You know, if I, you know, here's the problem with that. The market might bear that for a little while, but you know what those people are going to do to me if I'm, if I'm the driver? The very minute I become too expensive, it's over. It's over, right? And, and so we, now that we've seen over from 2020 up to end of 22 – truck driver salaries went through the roof and now you're talking about, Oh, we'll guarantee you so much money. Yeah. Until they can't guarantee it anymore because they're out of business. They don't have any money, right? It, you're trying to attract people by giving them this big money. Hey, we'll we'll pay you, pay you, pay you, pay you. I'm not going to tell you that. I'm going to tell you, you get paid a percentage of the rate and whatever the market bears, I will get you the absolute, top dollar that I can get you and and I will give you the tools that you need to, to learn how to do that. But when we were in the big market, 
And we were still running five loads a week and doing three and 300 and 330, almost $350,000 to the truck after Landstar's cut. There were people working half of what we were making because, well, I don't have to, I don't have to work that hard. I mean, look at the rates until the rates go down. Then what are you going to do? Now you don't know how to hustle anymore. Now you don't know how to go out there and, and string three or four loads together to make uh, th your bottom dollar. And, of course, all these fools that have gone out and got these four and $5,000 a month truck payments, God help you because you're, you're bankrupt. It's over. If you were in the, the market of 21 and 22 and you, <clears throat> did, you did the math kind of and you were like, well, hell yeah, I can afford a $1,200 a week truck payment. Well, sure you could then. You can't afford it now. What are you going to do when you have to spend 25 or 30% of your gross income on the truck payment alone? You still have to pay fuel. You still have your insurance. You still have your maintenance. And then you still have all of your household bills. So who's not going to get paid? Are you not going to buy groceries for the house? Are you not going to pay the mortgage? Or are you going to let that truck payment go? Because somebody's not getting paid. Well, all these are reasons that that it, it's not in everybody's best interest to go into business. Okay, you know, and and you can see some of the comments. You know, we're going. I'm, I, there's been a lot of people get pissed off by this episode, and, and that's fine. I mean, I, it, it doesn't bother me. But you know, if 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 you're going to be the type that now, now let me let me clarify something. When I say commitment, I'm not talking about doing illegal stuff. I'm not talking about running three log books. Right. Like, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about making a decision that you're going to do something and sticking with it and not checking it out the first time things go, you know, a little bit wrong. I, and that has nothing to do with running illegal, okay? But the, the, somebody challenged you, well, you should have uh, went, went uh, to cream with your kids and got the truck afterwards. Yeah, but the problem with that is the truck's sitting up there, not secure. We don't know what condition it's in, you know? Uh, this is one, and again, this is one of those decisions, those tough decisions for people. You have to decide whether your business comes first or trick and trick, trick or treat with your kids comes first. In that situation, I didn't tell Chris to do this. Chris did this on his own. He says, look, I'm going to go get that truck and get it here as quick as I can. Well, and that was, that was the best of five. There were five or six bad choices. They all sucked. They were all terrible. And that was the least bad, shitty yeah. uh, de decision because every every other opportunity that I had was worse. Yeah, you know, and and you know, choosing to do things, you know, choosing to do something in your business versus something with your family is always going to be difficult. Okay, but you know, what what are the the other option is to be an employee. Then it doesn't matter. Okay. You know, if that's the way you are, if that's how you want to be, then that's fine. You don't have – this whole thing is about telling people to – that, uh, advising people to not get in business. And that's a situation where you ought not be in business. If your family needs you home every weekend, you ought not be an over-the-road truck driver, okay? Because right. you might not get home every weekend. What happens if you don't, okay? So, you know, we're just saying, look – there are criteria that you have to look at when you decide to open a business. People think, for some reason in this industry, people buying a truck is not, and I've said this now for years. We have a whole thing about it in our presentation 
about understanding that when you buy that truck, you open a business, okay? If you wouldn't go down the street and spend $150,000 and open up a brick-and-mortar business because your family needs you home every day, you ought not be buying a truck because that's the exact same thing. There's no difference. But in this industry, for whatever reason, truck drivers think, well, if I buy a truck, I can just be a truck driver, you know? And that's why they all fail, you know? Um, Anyway. Well, and it's and what we see is is there's a. I'm going to use the word ignorance, and I don't I don't necessarily mean it in the most negative connotation. I mean to be ignorant of something is to not know. Okay. When you are going to do something, anything, it could be run a vacuum cleaner. Fuck, I don't wash your dishes. Uh, Wash your ass or whatever, okay? There's there's a way to do that efficiently and quickly. You try it. And um, you there. if you don't think it through, all right, and think of all the possibilities. Well, in the trucking business, business, a truck, doesn't matter if it's leased to a carrier, doesn't matter if it's run under an authority. It doesn't matter if it's driven by a company driver, driven by an owner-operator. None of that matters. A truck has an equipment cost. It has a fuel cost. It has a maintenance cost. It has an insurance and permitting cost. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter how you run it, where you run it. Doesn't matter where it's cities and states. Those are the basic costs. All this other stuff that everybody gets so bent out of shape about, um, Lease to Landstar, lease to Mercer, lease to Schneider, uh, get your own authority. What none of that shit matters. What matters is how can you get the expenses as low as possible and how can you make the most money? Because the revenue minus the expenses is your profit. It's not about showing everybody how big your dick is by saying, Well, I've got this kind of truck and this kind of trailer, and I, 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 I don't care doesn't matter. What matters is, can your business survive this market we're in now? Because hmm. if it can't, you don't have a business. You have a hobby and a very expensive <clears throat> hobby. Let's go back to uh, I, my family comes first, okay? Do you think your family cares if you drive a Peterbilt or a Freightliner? Huh? I, mine, Do they, mine certainly don't. But, 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 but my family comes first, Chris. <laughs> so I'm going to go buy myself a brand new, you know, Peterbilt. Because my family comes first, you know. So it just, that, just that is that is funny, you know that that my family comes first. Driving a two hundred and fifty thousand dollar truck with no at no chance of getting it paid for. Yeah, you're my family comes first. So you know, it's it, it, it again. It's self righteous bullshit. Is all it is. When, it is. You know, d- d- just tell me the truth, okay? Tell leave your family out of it because they got believe me, they got nothing to do with. it. They would much rather you make money, right? Uh, listen, we've had people here that, that the drivers told me they need to be home every week until I talk to the wife. She goes, hell no. If he can make money, let some bitch be out there. We'll take care of a bit of the house. You stay out there and make money. But the driver, oh, no, i got to get home. Well, the problem with that is your wife doesn't say, think so. And she said, you better call before you come home, by the way. So. <laughs> yeah. I, look, I, I, I understand that I'm, I'm, I've always been wired this way. That I mean, I can remember being like in middle school, thinking about being self-employed, just having that. I, I had this basic understanding of of wanting to be in business. 
And as I as I grew through life, and I started to realize that it's an investment, right? And and you know, it's a it's a crockpot thing. It's not a microwave thing. It it's slow. It takes time. And we have tried to get people to understand that if you're going to get in business, it's not much different than having children. Because if you don't feed them the first five, ten years, they'll die. And that's how you have to treat a brand new business. Because if you don't feed it, it's going to die. Now, does it always have to be that way? No, no. I mean, once you get successful and once you make a bunch of money, you've got money in the bank, you know, you, you have more options then. But you don't have those options the first few years when you're trying to get, you know, we're, we're, we're just trying to get you to stay in business for the first couple of years because 50% of all businesses fail. All businesses. It doesn't matter about trucking, okay? Uh, 90% of most trucking businesses fail. But if we can get through the first two to five years, and you survive that, then things take a little different look. You know, look, I've been in business since 1977, okay? Uh, I have a lot of uh, privileges now that I didn't have back then. You know, there's a lot of things that I can, decisions I can make now, but I couldn't make them back then. Hell, I, you know, I, I, there, there, was, there was a time in my life, probably up until just, probably when I got into trucking, where I didn't even, I wasn't even in one business. I was usually in two or three at the same time. You know, so you, you know, the, the other word we need to talk about here is the word entrepreneur, because that, 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 that's, that's the person who has that, that drive, you know, there, nothing's going to stand in the way of them reaching their, um, their goals, you know, their goals in business. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they, uh, they, they, they will make the sacrifice. They'll make the commitment. They'll get knocked down and get back up. You know, they, they don't question the commitment. They don't que- when things get bad, they find a way to work around it. Um, I have not found a way to create an entrepreneur. Okay. I've not found that entrepreneurs, they, they, they exist. You know, I don't know if they're born that way. I don't, th- I don't think I was born that way. I think that you know, uh, growing up the way I did and, and um, my family being very, 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 you know, probably more middle class or lower, I just realized that I didn't, you know, I, I wanted things that I didn't have when I was a kid, you know, and I was going to do whatever it took to get it. And, um, but that was, that was the motivation for me was I wanted to do things that I didn't have a chance to do when I was a kid, you know. And, um, you know, I mean, I love my mom and dad. They're great hard work. And I got all my work ethic from them, but they weren't necessarily great business people. You know, mm-hmm. my mom had an eighth grade education. She'd work your ass off, but she wasn't, you know, she <laughs> wasn't very good at algebra, you know. Um, and my dad was the sweetest guy on earth, but, you know, bless his heart. Um, but anyway, uh, you, you, there, there's something that, that's in you that makes you, you know, um, overcome all these obstacles. You know, again, remember, if it were easy, everybody would be doing it. Every, you know, everybody would be doing it. But it's not. And that's why most people who do it fail is because there is a tremendous price to pay for success. Unfortunately, there's a tremendous price to pay for failure. And um, the difference between the two sometimes is just that word commitment. You know, agreeing, to, you know, deciding to do something and then putting the blinders on and not letting the distractions you know, we do a lot of it here. We, we don't shield people from the negative here. You know, 
Um, you have a truck that breaks down. We don't come flying and rescue you and put you in another truck. And, you know, we want you to live through that process so you're learning from that negative situation. Because guess what? Every business has negative things that happen, you know. Uh, it, part of, you know, we, we had a meeting this week. We had a Zoom meeting. And we were talking about the market. And, and you, could take, you, could, you could take the approach that, well, this is a horrible time to get into being an owner-operator because the market sucks. And that is, that is true, except, you know, it might, I look at it this way. This is probably the best time to get in it because you're going to learn how to survive in this market. Anybody can survive when the market's good. Mm-hmm. I think part of what what I think think part of what made me successful in this business. I got in in two thousand eight and nine. Y'all have heard of the Great Recession, right? Mm-hmm. Well, th- th- I bought my truck in June of two thousand nine. Interest rate, I mean not interest rates, but the recession. You know, twenty five percent of owner operators had gone out of business. Fuel was five dollars a gallon. Uh, you know the 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 uh, you know the 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 economy was destroyed. And I just bought a truck, you know. So I learned this business in a recession. We don't even use that word. We don't have an R word right now. Um, I think we'll have one, but we don't have it right now. But that's what made me do the thing that I do now. That, that's how this business model came about. You had to do it that way to survive. Now, coming from the business world, that's how normal business works anyway. It just doesn't work that way in, in trucking for some reason. In trucking, you can just do what the hell you want to. And uh, if it doesn't work, you blame the government and you ask somebody to fix it for you. But every other business, that's how they survive. But I, I, I get to, to get back to that thing, I think this is a great time to get, get in, in because you're going to learn a whole lot about how to handle things when it's rough. You know, you're going you're gonna to figure out how to do this. And then when we get back to what we could call normal, which I think we're probably looking at at the end of this year, first of next year, then, mm-hmm. then, then all these things that you've learned to do, it's going to look really easy. You know, the, the, did I show, did I share with everybody that chart about carriers over the last 20 years? Not yet. But before you do that, I want to hit, I want to hit our sponsor real quick. You want to hit him? Yeah. I don't want to literally hit him. I want to, I want to, I want to, I want to break here and then we come back. Can we'll you, can you get that chart up when we come back? Uh, yeah, I shared it in the, in the fleet messaging. Okay. Yeah. I'll get to that. Yeah. Okay. So, um, now I'm going to tell y'all something. Uh, this, this is not going to come as a great surprise to anybody, but we're, we're not real good at this podcasting thing. Um, and so this poor guy, Scott Johnson of the, what was that like podcast, which is now on the screen with a QR code that you can snap and it will take you to their website. How about that guys? You can just snap that little QR code right there yeah. and just go straight there. Um, <clears throat> I mean, I, I, I really, I really do kind of feel bad for Scott because he, he got in, you know, in, in cahoots, um, uh, with us, but, uh, we, I'm trying to do better. All right. So, we're going to talk this week uh, about a girl named Jessica, and the the basic uh, the format of this podcast is Scott finds people who have been through very horrific things and gets them to talk about it and tell their story, and so that's why it's called "What Was That Like." So Jessica was teaching English outside the United States. She was kidnapped and held for months. This clip 
that I'm about to play is her describing what uh, what happened one night at the end of her captivity. Now I've got to press this button. I mean, these guys are they're shouting, they're screaming, they're being hit by bullets, they're hitting the grounds. Like people are dying all around me, and I'm still on the ground. I'm just laying there, and I'm just like. Oh God, oh God, oh God, oh God, oh God. And I'm thinking like, I am, I'm seriously not going to make it out of this thing alive. Like, I'm really not going to make it out of this thing alive. God damn it. I'm not going to make it out of this thing. So that is a clip, an example of what you can hear on the, what was that like podcast website is what was that like.com. I am going to keep this QR code up at the top of the screen here for the rest of the show. And Somehow, I just knocked myself off, which is awesome. Uh, okay. So, Joe Racer, just so you know, I've got the uh, Wildcats live on a monitor right here next to me. So, uh, don't uh, don't think I've lost my way, okay? So, and uh, we are up uh, by about five, halfway through the second half. So, okay. So, I got to figure out why my camera. I'll answer another question while you're doing that. Somebody asked about when I bought my truck. Let me find that question. Here it is. I don't think I can bring it up, Chris. You I will. Uh, Sherry Zindry. Larry, yeah. did you buy your first truck from the company you were working for at the time? What was the criteria for buying your truck, your first truck? Does that criteria in my. Well, Sherry, um, <laughs> I did not buy my truck from the company I worked for. I bought my truck from a truck leasing company. Um, and I didn't know anything about buying a truck. You know, I, if I were to buy that truck today, I would have never bought it. Now, fortunately, uh, it turned out to be okay. Uh, we still have it. It's got 1.8 million miles on it. Um, but you know, it, it worked out because I did mainly regional work, uh, doing FedEx stuff, light load. And so it worked out. I bought, I ended up buying a Columbia with a Mercedes motor. Didn't, I knew nothing about trucks. So I did everything wrong, Sherry, everything wrong. Fortunately, I found out within about a few months of buying it uh, that I made a mistake, and I just did what I had to do to make it work. You know, at that point in time, I was committed. You know, I just wrote a check for 80 grand, and, I, you know, what was I going to do? I had to make it work. So um, the criteria is, is completely different today than what it would have been then. Um, we have lots of episodes that cover that. So go back through our uh, our list of episodes. Where there's all kinds of ones on buying a truck. Um, and it does apply in today's market, but it's not what I did. So fortunately, I was able to make a make a lemon a lemonade out of a lemon, and uh, it worked for me. Well, and well, I'm challenged one thing you said there, because <clears throat> you said the criteria is completely different. The criteria wasn't really different. He just wasn't aware of it. I didn't have a criteria. Right? Yeah. There was no there was nobody mm-hmm. saying, Well, yeah, you have the means. He obviously had the means. He could go write an eighty thousand dollar check to buy this truck. But there was nobody to say, Well, you know, you could do the same thing with a ten or twelve or fifteen or twenty thousand dollar truck, you know. Um, so it worked out, you know. Uh, I'm going to hit this one. Uh, Leon Tremble, what you guys do is the most obvious path to becoming a successful owner-operator that I've ever heard. It blows my mind how many people don't seem to get what you're trying to teach. Well, Leon, I saw a very important TikTok this week, and there was a lady who said, you know, when you're dead, you don't, you don't know you're dead. You don't know you're dead, right? I saw you that too. You don't know you're dead. Yeah. Um, 
and and it's and it's it's hard it's it's hard on the people around you. And the exact same thing is true when you're stupid. Yeah. Um. You don't know that you're stupid, but boy, it's hard on everybody around you. You know, one of the hardest things that we do here, Leon. I mean, you know, we see a lot of people come through this program. You know, and and some of them, I'll be honest with you, surprise you, Richie. I mean, we let's not. I'm not talking behind. Well, I am because he's not in here. But we gave <laughs> Richie at the bar. We gave Richie a snowball's chance in hell of making it in this program. Zero. Okay? We we Zero. we looked at each other when, when after his orientation, and we just shook our heads. And said, there's no. There's no. Which, which orientation? The first one, the second one, or the third? I don't one? know. Probably the first one. You know, I think I think our 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 uh, our uh, percentages went down every time. But look, this guy, you know, uh, he's not in here right now, but he doesn't know this, but he's going to, he's, he's, you know, I'm not even going to say that. <laughs> um, he, you know, you never know. You just never, you, no. you know, I, I, we have yet to be able to figure out, find a test or find any type of, of, of uh, metric that measures the size of somebody's heart and, and, the, and the desire to succeed. Mm-hmm. You know, he didn't, he didn't have anything going for him except he wanted to do it. You talk about commitment, okay? You talk about commitment. And then we have other guys come through here, and they have everything going for them mm-hmm. except commitment, you know? And so it's frustrating because we see it. Uh, you know, you could, that old thing, you can bring a horse to water, but you can't make him drink, you know? Um, it's, it's uh, I mean, I agree with what you're saying. I mean, you know, um, you, you, you think that, you know, we, you think that people would want to jump on this and, you know, and take advantage of, but I'm going to tell you, it, I think, I think people are disappointed, honestly. I think they come here thinking that there's this magic sauce mm-hmm. or this magic wand we're going to be able to pull out and show them how to use it. And they get here and they find out that the magic wand is just good old fashioned hard work, making good decisions, you yeah. know, using a calculator instead of, you know, there, instead of this, you know? Yeah. And and it, it it's rather it, it's rather underwhelming, you know, because there's nothing hard about it except hard work, you know, and um, and the other thing is, Chris and I are very very um, how can I say it? Uh, we are not. You can't bullshit us, okay? We we not we don't we're not going to sit here and just let the obvious go unstated, you know, captain obvious resides at this table. Okay. <laughs> and, uh, and, and a lot of people can't handle that. You know, they can't, they can't take it. Um, you know, uh, the, um, we don't allow them to lie to themselves because they've done that all their lives and they come here and they try it and they, Ooh, I'm not going to be, that's not going to work here. Is it? No, it's not. You know, you're not going to lie to us. You're not going to lie to yourself. You're not going to rationalize to yourself, your stupid ideas. You know, we just don't do it. And, and it, and it has a very, very short lived, um, trial basis, you know? Uh, and so, you know, it, it, you have to come here with pretty thick skin and you have to come here understanding that, you know, we don't have time. We have 18 months here to turn you in from whatever you are to all the knowledge that it takes for you to be successful in this business. And it takes every bit of that. And so we don't waste the time with being nice and, uh, you know, it, it's just, it's just not that way. I tell people when they come here, you know, we're not, we're the coach, your wife's the cheerleader. Don't get the two confused because I'm not doing what she does, you know, and you're not going to do to me what you do to her. Okay. So, um, 
So let's just make sure we got that straight, okay? So well, let me let me share an experience that I had with y'all uh, yesterday. Uh, I called both to load. Okay, it was posted on the board for three thousand dollars. I called the guy, and he we go back and forth, and broker wants to pay twenty nine hundred dollars, and I said, well, you know, twenty nine hundred weekend load that works. So I said, well, I, you know, how, what are you going to give me on the fuel surcharge? And he goes, well, since, since the, I couldn't get you 3000, I'm going to give you the max fuel surcharge plus 50 bucks. I said, okay, great. 650. So he sends me a rate con and the, uh, rate con is for $500 fuel surcharge, not 650. So I emailed him back and I said, Hey, how about that 650 fuel surcharge we talked about? And he said, well, my boss said I'm not allowed to do that, and it's only going to be $500. And I said, well, um, I have an unfo- I have unfortunate news for you, my friend. So before I completely lost my shit, I, I've considered uh, some things, and I called Landstar, customer service operations. What he called call me first. Well, I called Larry. I said, what do you think? And we were both of the mind to just tell the guy to take the load and shove it up his ass. So I went ahead and called Landstar because I'm I'm going to check first before I go on some, Good to see you. you know, righteous, holy bent, you know. And I called operations and I said, here's the situation. Here's what we agreed to. Here's the retcon I got. Um, and she said, look, if, if the rate con does not match what you agreed to, you don't have to do the load. Then I said, okay. So I sent an email back and I said, to whom it may concern, um, you will send me a, uh, rate con with a fuel surcharge that is equal to the Landstar weekly fuel surcharge, which is 52 cents a week this week. A mile. I'm sorry. 52 cents a mile this week which was $602.18, or we're not hauling the load. Well, he emailed me back. He said, we'll do 600 I said, okay, fine. I was not willing to let this guy run over me, but I was also not willing to make myself look like a fool without checking first to make sure that Landstar wasn't going to hold me to that because I had a retcon. Our truck is assigned to the load. He's on his way to pick up. And I made sure that I stopped. Now, this load did not get better. It got worse. Uh, the driver went to load it today. Today, Yeah, the driver went to load it today, and it was billed to 41,200 pounds on the bill of lading. He went to the scale and was 79,900 pounds in a 34,000-pound truck. So guess what? This load was more like 46,000, not 41. So me and him and Phil had to have some powwows about moving. Free. By the way... Public service announcement, Phil. <clears throat> right. When you go up on the cat scale or the scale at the scale house and it says do not set your brakes. There's a reason for that. There's a reason for that. Don't set your brakes. Why? <clears throat> Our driver stopped at two different scales across the street from each other. He went across the first scale and got his first weight. His weight was 79.9. Nine. Well, that to go back and do his reway, there was a big line. So he went across the street to the Loves. When he got over to the Loves, 
His gross weight was 81. 81 to, we're doing a show here right now if y'all want to pay <laughs> fucking attention. His gross weight was 81 2 across the street. That's like left in charge. So, so what was the difference? The difference was he had his foot on the brake and it showed a 420 pound difference in his gross weight than before. So we had him go weigh it again. And the second time he weighed 79 7, I think. It was under gross the, the third time because we said, listen, you've got to pull up on the scale. You've got to sit there, let the truck settle, let the load settle, put it in first gear and turn the motor off if you have to. But do not hold the brake or set the brake on a scale or it will screw up your weights and you're going to end up with a big ticket. Yeah, about that. So he wanted to, he wanted to short us on the fuel surcharge and then he gives us a load that's overweight, overweight to begin with. Mm-hmm. So are we going to have another conversation with him on Monday? Uh, well, he said that they were going to pay an extra $200 and I'm still waiting on that retcon. So, yeah. um, yeah, I he it's a there's a high probability my foot's gonna butt up his ass come Monday morning. So, uh, we'll find out. So, uh, a, uh answer or uh, bring Evan's question up about the Mercedes Benz. Oh, yeah, the good question, question, Evan, is will you still be willing to buy an MBE 4000 now that Metro Metro is what we call my truck? Um, uh, has run 1.8. No, absolutely not. It is absolutely not. <laughs> Um, and the reason why is because again, it's, um, it, it's more expensive. It, it's, it's just more expensive to find parts for it. It's more expensive yep. to work. Uh, AMB 4000 does not have a Jake. I don't think you can call it whatever you want to, but the son of a bitch does not have a Jake. Okay. And so, uh, it has it, a device that makes a lot of noise and don't do shit. Doesn't even make a lot of noise actually. Well, you drag true. your feet and it's more effective. Okay. But, uh, no, a- absolutely not. It's not, uh. You know, I, I got I got lucky and probably got the best one ever made, but I you, I'm not going to get struck by that lightning twice. So, no, we 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 do what we do, Evan, for a reason, and that is the the you know it makes sense number wise. And there's no reason to buy a Mercedes Benz 4000 over a Freightliner or a Detroit any any at any point. There's it never there's never a point when that decision is 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 better. So, um, you know, one like with um. If I if a truck fell in my lap that checked every other box, but it had an N14 in it, I would probably buy it knowing that it's going to have to have a fast fuel-air separator system on it because the N14s are notorious for some injector problems. But if you keep them super clean, you don't have as many problems. N14's a great motor. Um, but if I was going to buy a truck, which I mean, God, the chances of finding a truck like we want with an N14 is rare, but they're out there. There are some older model Freightliners that have N14s in them, but just know that you're going to have to spend the extra money, whatever, what, what is it? Put a fast on 1500 bucks. No, no, it's more, two, it's more like two grand, two grand. Okay. And it might be more than that now. Cause I, you know, I haven't, yeah. I haven't used one in a while. But. It's just an extra layer <clears throat> that you don't have otherwise if you got a Detroit, you know? Yep. Um, let's talk about the truck show, uh, coming up in two weeks, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, the 30th, 31st and 1st, uh, we will be in Louisville, Kentucky. Um, the truck show starts on Thursday, but the Thursday morning part, you have to pay $99 to get in. If you wait to one o'clock, it's 10 bucks. It's free if you've already registered back before February 28th, but 
if it's if you haven't done that, it's ten bucks uh, to get in for the whole for the rest of the weekend. Um, it is a million and a half square feet of displays of everything from brand new trucks and trailers all the way down to I don't know key rings, you know, <laughs> and everything in between. Anything that's got to do with trucking and some things that don't are there. Um, it's uh, it's pretty neat to be able to walk around and look at stuff and talk to people and handle it and that sort of thing. Um, you know, there's a lot of, uh, you know, uh, technology you can look at. Um, if you're if you're looking for maybe finding a different carrier or whatever, all the recruiters are there. There's a liar's corner there, and they all set up down through there, and they'll just – if you walk down through there, they'll be trying to – it's like walking through Amsterdam, okay, in the red light district. Um, you know, they're like, oh, there's a driver. Let me grab him, okay? So it, it's not much different, okay? So it's a meat market right there. Um, but anyway, everything there about trucking is there. Um, don't we're, – we're, we're, we're not going to be looking to meet you on Thursday. That's the only day that we can actually go enjoy the show. Friday, we're going to be in the Landstar booth, which is up in the South Hall where all the big, big ex- exhibits are. I don't know the number, but way up high, probably 30 feet high, there's a round banner up there that says Landstar's got a blue star on it. We'll be underneath that on Friday. On Saturday, we'll be down in, in West Wing around the Pittsburgh Power area. All of the the um, the uh, my, uh, fuel mileage uh, modification companies that we use are all basically in the same area right there. And with Pittsburgh Power being our our sponsor, we have a little contractual obligation to be with, with them on Saturday. Uh, so we'll be in that area. Uh, if you want to come by and find us and look us up, we'll be glad to talk to you. And if listen, if you if you're mm-hmm. in the truck show Friday, and you're one of these that hates Landstar, uh, please 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 come by. Uh, I'm gonna have Richie there to fight you. Um, so if you know you can come and talk all the trash you want, um, and Richie will be there to handle it. So, well, you can talk, <laughs> listen. You can talk trash about Landstar all you want. It, you know it. The, the, well, I listen. I did an ATBS seminar. I'm, we're going to do. A, Is this a, this thing you want? Well, that, that's part of it. But hang on, I, I did an ATBS seminar this week. Um, and if y'all don't know, ATBS is American Truck Business Services. It's twenty thousand independent um, or owner operators. About half of them are leased to carriers. Half of them are actual independents with their own authority. And this is an accounting service that I guess is probably the biggest one in the in the industry. Uh, and they were doing their their fourth quarter summary, and I, I I've got all. We're going to do an episode, and I'm going to share all those numbers with you guys. But the bottom line is is that um, the a- the average. Now look, now look. Let's 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 compare it. When you come to Landstar, you have to give up quote 35 percent of the revenue to one to Landstar, and for that 35 percent, there's all these services that you get. Now, as an independent you have to give up a certain percentage and you give it up to different people. Think insurance company, think factoring, think trailer, think, you know, blah, blah, blah. Um, so the, here's the numbers, 20,000 owner operators. The, 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 uh, the owner operators leased to carriers made $7,000 more average than the independents did without giving up 35% of the money to Landstar. Okay. So, you know, now again, how dare you? Exactly. You know, it, 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 
So come to Landstar and and let's and let's 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 just first of all, I don't I'm not recruiting you to come to Landstar. I don't really want you to come to Landstar. We got too many already. There's one agency at Landstar that thinks that we don't have enough trucks because uh, they keep advertising that we don't have enough trucks. But we got enough trucks, so don't bother coming. Stay where you are. But if you want to if you want to get this 35 percent thing out of your crawl because that hangs up so many people. Yeah, but you give up 35% of everything. Yeah, but you do too. You give up more than that. You give up $7,000 more than the average person that's to a carrier. You just don't know it because you write, told me, you write these checks to everybody. And I don't, listen, I'm, I'm not going to say that. <laughs> I'm not going to say that. All right, you want this uh, image? The, yeah, the fast, by the way, it, it might be 900, but it's an expensive install. Okay, I'll tell yeah, you that. So. Yeah. All right. Yeah, and it and it needs to be done by somebody that knows what the hell. And it has to be done correctly. Okay. Uh, so yeah, let me show you this. Uh, I got a I got a chart here that um, uh, this is from 2010 to 2023. So that's 13 years. If y'all can see that, these are the net change in carrier population. Carrier population are just people that have MC numbers. Mm-hmm. Now remember, the majority of carriers are not big fleets. The vast majority of carriers less than one truck. You know, certainly less than five trucks. So you're looking along here. You come along here, and in, and in 20 – well, look, go back here to oh, – well, 08's not even there. Mm-hmm. I got in this before that. But, you know, you look along here in 2018. Remember 2018? Remember what happened in 2018 in December? Mm-hmm. ELDs, right? Yep. Look at everybody that jumped on this bandwagon. So then we have the pandemic. And then right, look at 20, look at all of the new MC numbers from 2020 to 2021 into 2022. Look That's at it. That's a big number. That's a big number, Okay. Now look over here, all right? Now, they did a poll. 35% of the people that they polled said and things, if these, things didn't get better quickly, they were, they were done. They were gone. They were out. And we see it. You see that number going down. Yep. Okay? So the, the, uh, the bloodbath is, in, is, is going on. It's just how long does it take before we get the 35% out of the, out of the market? And I know that sounds mean, but listen – it, 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 unfortunately, it's a fact of life. You know, you, 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 you eat what you kill. All right. That's just what it is. You eat what you kill. You know, and I love the brotherhood thing. Yeah. I'm, you know, I love these people that get on these Landstar things. Can y'all tell me who the agent is that does this and does that? <laughs> yeah, let me just do that. Why don't I just tell you? Why don't I just make it easier for you so you can come take my business away? Right. Mm-hmm. It's people are nuts. <clears throat> people are absolutely nuts. Let's hit a couple of comments here. Uh, how far do you guys go for commitment when it pushes illegal? I was coming back from New Hampshire, driving at night to avoid the snowstorm. 81, 84 shut down, and New Jersey shut down 287. I drove it anyhow, but curious. Um, commitment has anything, nothing to do with being illegal. Okay. And legal and moral are two different things, right? <clears throat> I mean, I don't do anything. I don't make a single decision in my life because something is legal. I don't go, oh, okay, well, what's legal and what's illegal? What has the state told me that I'm allowed to do? I, I don't make decisions like that. Now, I make, I try to make the most moral decision that I can. And generally, when you're making moral decisions, you don't have to worry about the state and some kind of weird punishment. Um, but, you know, it, it, what I find, and I always find it among the people that come in at first, hey, uh, I can't make it. Okay, to where? Well, to there. Okay. But I can tell they haven't done the math. And I'm like, okay, well, let's let's do the math and find out if it's in fact true that you can't make it. And if the calculator says that you can't mean make it, there's math that we need to yeah. do? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Hmm. Um, and listen, 
I mean, just disclaimer. If you want to come here and you can't handle somebody that is just a just a wicked smartass uh, that will answer stupid questions or or ignorant statements with anything other than absolute, don't come here uh, because <laughs> bless your heart. Um, we literally we literally had a driver this week that that made a mistake, and when we figured it all out, and and you presented him with the correct thing. He, his response was, what does math got to do with it? you remember that? Well, it, it, wasn't, it wasn't so much a mistake. It was, there was no planning ahead of time, you know? And, and I don't remember, he said, well, I'm going to do, I'm going to do this. I remember what it was. He didn't, he didn't take a restart, right? We, we do a restart every weekend. I don't care what you think about it. In our operation, the way our freight works, we're better off to get a reset. On Saturday, I had told him, you need to get to here, at least to here, shut down on Friday night, do your reset. Well, yeah. I look up on Saturday and he's driving. I'm like, hey, what part of this, and I circled up, what part of this did you not understand? Oh, well, I, you know, I was going to do this. And I'm like, okay. And Larry asked, said, did you do the math? And his response was, what math? That <laughs> Did not go well, okay? Uh, because when the math was done, oh, this decision that I made while got one thing, one objective was covered, but the other objective was not also covered. Sure, you still got to the delivery on time, but when you got there, you were out of hours and you couldn't do anything, Right. We make decisions based on mathematics. A lot of, ex of, of decisions that I can make are on experience because I've been there, done that. But I'm going to get the calculator. Okay, how far are you away? How many hours do you have to drive? What is the terrain? What's the weight of the load? Put it into the calculator. Okay, that's correct. You can't make it. Now, what are we going to do? How do we adjust what we're doing to meet that objective? We have always utilize the strategy of stacking loads at Landstar. I want to be booked three, four, five days out. That's always the best thing for, for me. It's the best thing for our drivers. And a lot of people can't handle it because something will happen on day one, and by the time they get to day three, then it started to come apart, and the anxiety sets in, and they're like, screw this, I'm not doing it. So they'll just be, well, screw it. I'm not, you know, I'm not going to, uh, thank you, sir. I'm not going to stack loads anymore because I had a load cancel and it screwed up my whole thing. What generally gets our guys in trouble in the first part of the program is I'll book them three loads. I've got half hell. I've got most of the fleet booked up to next Wednesday or Thursday. If they don't do the math on Monday, Thursday's going to show up and bite them in the ass. And then they're going to go, well, what happened? Well, I'm going to go look at their logs. I'm going to go look at their routes. I'm going to go look at the decisions they made and go, oh, you see this decision you made on Monday? That's what's coming back to get you on Thursday. Had you had you made a slightly different decision, um, and it could have been driving an extra 50 miles. It's not like you you know, you know needed to drive it. You, you, you needed to go an extra 30, 40, 50 miles on Monday, and that opened the door for you mathematically to make it on Thursday. But we're – the, number one, this industry does not train people that way. They're trained to be robot slaves uh, that are given absolutely no thought, uh, no no freedom 
liberty to make a choice. It's shut up, slave, and do what the box on the dash tells you. And if the box tells you to drive in the river, just drive in the weather. It doesn't matter if you're wet. Hmm. Boy, that's good. We're trying to do a show here, buddy. <clears throat> that's Phil's fault. Um. Oh, I want to hit this one. Capitalism doesn't care about your family. Capitalism isn't real. So, um, it, it, that's a that's a there's a like list, list of six or eight words that I refuse to use because they have double meanings. Capitalism means like is a badge of honor for one person, and it's a scourge of the earth to another. You can't use words that have completely opposite meanings to. So capitalism, socialism, fascism, I don't use those words. Now, I will say this. My customers don't care about my family. They don't care about my kids. They don't care about me. They don't care if I'm sick. They only care to the extent with which I can provide them something they need. That came in real handy in 2020 and 2021 because they also didn't give a shit whether or not I was doing other stuff, right? They didn't care. They didn't care if I had a piece of paper. They didn't care if I had a shot. They didn't, none of that mattered. Come in here and bring me that load. Mm, absolutely. Um, so that that's a double-edged sword. But no, they don't care about my family. I care about my family, but I don't need... Um, I remember back when I was ATS, uh, 2012, they had a Facebook page <laughs> or group. And this, 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 this driver went on this crazy long rant about why wouldn't ATS send his wife a gift card for Christmas? And I'm like, the fuck does that have to do with anything? Like you're 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 leased you have a truck leased to land, to ATS. Why are they sending your wife? Buy your wife a damn gift card and shut up. Buy her your own damn gift card. But they want to be they want to be business they want to be free, but they also want this totalitarian regime to take care of them every minute of their life. You're a hard ass, you know that. Well, that happens sometimes. <clears throat> oh, well, so let's talk about the, the TQL boycott. Have you read about this? I have not. You have not read about it. I'm going to go consult the book of knowledge. Oh, supposedly there's a 20,000 truck boycott of TQL. So that means there's four. Two. <laughs> oh, um, no, 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 no. That's the guy that was on Mother Trucker. Yeah. Guy. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He, he, he admits he's, he, it's, 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 um, it's business suicide. You know, he's a small fleet. He's going to get black. He's a, I know I'm a, going to get hurt. Small yeah, fleet owner leads boycott of that's TQL. It. That's, it. <laughs> that's it. Oh, bless his heart. Mike Boston has been in trucking for 15 years, the last five of which have been in general freight after a transition from household goods moving segment. He and a business partner own WM On-Time Logistics based in East Stroudsburg, Pennsylvania. They own and operate five trucks and trailers themselves and have 10 over and operators leased on. Oh, my gosh. I mean. And TQL has done them wrong, and they're boycotting TQL. 
And he says he's got 20,000 people who are going to back him up. All right, Boston said his most recent experience with TQL, which which helped spur on this effort, was an email from the company. Why, God, they sent him an email. How dare they? Quote, they were going to file a claim against my cargo insurance for maintenance on a trailer I borrowed from them for about four or five days. They hit me with a bill for $1,083 and told me they're not going to give me any more loads and they're going to take the money out of the money that they owe me to pay for that maintenance claim. What do you bet that's in the contract that he didn't he didn't read? I, you know, I I have no words. Okay, I have no words. I have no words. You mean Landstar takes thirty five percent of my money? You mean Landstar won't take less money because the business right now is rough? <laughs> you know that contract is is like written in stone and not flexible. Hmm. Yeah. Well, and we saw one today, and I'm gonna I'm gonna split the baby on this one. Okay, there's a there's a so you have a BCO hauls a load for an agent. The eight the load paid like thirty two hundred dollars line haul and a thousand and some dollars fuel surcharge. Okay, so that thirty two thirty two whatever it was was at sixty five percent and the fuel surcharge was a hundred percent so it came out to x number of dollars to the truck now I will give him this this particular agency they are bad about adjusting the numbers say they can't get the that that together was thirty uh, or forty three hundred dollars I think all in was the even number before the breakout so like forty three hundred bucks. Well, the customer is going to pay thirty nine hundred. So they calculated, and they changed a bunch of the numbers to make the to the truck number be the same. Be the same, yeah. All right. The gross was like thirty nine hundred instead of forty three hundred. Right. But they they monkeyed around with the numbers to give them a bunch of accessorials that paid a hundred percent, so that the number to the truck was the same right. as if it was thirty two hundred line haul and a thousand dollars fuel. Right. Happens all the time. Well, he is raising hell. And he, got and, paid, and he got paid more than he would have otherwise. I'm getting there. He is raising hell. His own, well, somebody tell me if I'm wrong because I called Landstar and they said I was wrong. And so all the people, and he's got screenshots, right? Yeah. And so everybody in the comments is going, dude, you got more money with the way they did it to the truck than the other way. My, and then he puts a comment, well, by God, I know I'm right. And I'll never haul another load for that agent. So I, I, I put the numbers into the BSE nine thousand. This dumb son of a bitch got a hundred and sixteen dollars more to the truck. Yeah. And <clears throat> now I'll give you that I don't like when that agent does that, and they don't tell me. Right? Tell me up front that you've got to do all this fuzzy math because yeah, I hate it. Well, especially he hates it when. Wednesday comes around and he's going to do the settlement and I've got it in the board one way because I don't know they've done all this. They don't send me a freight bill that says all that. And then he goes and he's like, well, what the hell is all this? And I'm like, is it such and such? Oh, yeah, never mind. I don't know why they just won't tell you. So I'll give him that. They should have told him that they were going to break it down this way and they didn't. But you dipshit, you got $116 more than you would have otherwise, but you're too stupid and ignorant to... Do the damn math, which you probably can't do. Anyway. Uh, the, a common thing I see between truck drivers and 
brokers is that truck drivers are mad because brokers are better businessmen than they are. <laughs> you better preach. You know, they, they, the, the, the truck driver is self-righteous because he has to buy fuel and he has to pay for a truck. And a broker just has to have a pair of pajamas and a BSE 9000 and a phone. Mm-hmm. Therefore, he doesn't have the right to make any money. Okay. Right. And if, if he's a better negotiator, first of all, you have to understand something. Everybody has the right to say no. 100%. Everybody has the right to say, fuck you. Okay. But when you don't do that, and then you turn around and start raving and being self-righteous on social media about how these people are fucking you to your knees. <laughs> who allowed that? You did. Yeah. You did. You know. So, I, you know, I don't have a lot of sympathy. You know, I, honestly, I don't. Uh, and again, let's get back to the, your own authority versus Landstar. Okay. I, you know, I, we don't have to deal with that shit. Okay. <laughs> Yeah. Well, Luke, uh, so Luke, uh, Luke says, uh, I hate TQL with a passion just as much as Dave Ramsey hates Am- American Express. Here's the thing, though. When you're at Landstar as opposed to being independent like you were, there's this buffer between me and TQL. I know we've hauled TQL loads, not many of them, but I. in, in one issue is unless – Unless I have the freight bill, I don't even know who the bill to is. There's a lot of times I have no clue who the broker is, and I don't care. Because if a if if an agent does what they're supposed to do, which is really no more than issue me a damn freight bill, but there's stuff on the backside that they've had to do because they, anybody they book a load with has to be approved with Landstar, the credit check, blah, 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 all that stuff. If the agent does that and I deliver the load – I'm getting paid. It doesn't matter if Landstar ever gets paid. There's not ever going to be Landstar coming back eight months later and saying, well, you know what? Uh, this load you did eight months ago, they never paid us, so how about that money? It never we, happens. And we never paid for factory, by the way. Ever. Yeah. Not a penny. Oh, it's only 2%. Annualized is what? Right. <clears throat> so, yeah, you know, um, Truckers could park the truck and go work for a brokerage. Well, probably not. No, they wouldn't last. Well, for one thing, you'd have to work. You know, you know, people don't understand what. Listen, I was an agent. I've never been a broker. Probably will never be. But it sounds good to say that all they do is sit around in their pajamas and do. But let me tell you something. There's a there. You have to do. You have to make a lot of phone calls and get a lot of no's. You know, and uh, truck drivers, by, by and large, are too lazy to do that. They would not work for a broker. Uh, wouldn't last very long if they did because, first of all, they're horrible negotiators, okay? So um, understand that, you know, you, you have every opportunity to negotiate that rate, you know. Uh, because they're better than you at it didn't mean that you should be, uh, that they're necessarily, um, um, you know, um, evil, okay? Right. You know, you, you do everything you can to make the most money in your business, and I see, I see truck drivers on all the time. Where can I go get this and not break the bank? Where can I go get insurance that won't break the bank? Where can I go get parts that won't break the bank? Mm-hmm. But yet you won't, you won't haul a load without making the guy break the bank. Right. 
Okay, so let's let's deal with that hypocritical part of it first. I I I mm-hmm. need to put a roof on my house. That big storm that came through has knocked some shingles off, and and so I, I was thinking the other day, could you imagine if I had to hire truck drivers to put my or the truck driver mentality, and that's who I had available to hire to do my roof, right? Because I, I don't, I've never put on a roof. I understand the basics of putting on a roof and I probably could do it. It would take me a month and a half to do what they could do in a few hours. So what's the first thing I did? I went to relationship. I called a friend of mine that is a contractor and I'm like, Hey buddy, I need a recommendation for a roof. And this guy builds multi-million dollar homes. So I figure if a roofer's good enough for him, he's good enough for me. So I got the recommendations. Then I started looking at how do you calculate the cost of materials? Because I needed to know for my size house, how much, how much, uh, how many squares is it going to take and and what's that price? Okay, well, now I know that it's going to cost X number of dollars retail for shingles. And then I've got to figure he's going to come and he's going to have two or three or four people with him. I'm going in as an informed consumer and I'm going to try to have an idea in my head what should be the value of this roofing job. Well, there's no way if he if I think that I should be able to get this roofing job done for six or eight thousand dollars and he comes in and says, uh, well, listen, it's uh twenty two thousand. No. Hell no. Not you're not doing that for me. Now, if I went and I searched around and I got three different quotes and they were all the same, okay, that's one thing. But the truck driver mentality would be, this guy thinks it should be $22,000 and the guy that does it for the market rate is somehow stealing from him. That's not how that happens. You overpriced yourself. You put too high of a price on your labor. And this other guy served me, which is his main focus, at a reasonable price that I agreed to, at that point, it's none of your damn business what he paid me. It doesn't matter if he did it for half of what you would do it for. It doesn't matter. It's none of your business. Yeah, but inside their circles, in their Facebook group, he's taking shit, okay? Because if you hadn't done that, the market, the rates would come up. You're killing the rate by putting that roof on too cheap. Let's all boycott that guy. That guy. <laughs> uh, there's Joe, going, oh, there's, Joe Racer, something to be said about Americans not growing up with open markets where haggling over prices is common. It's expected in all of the supposed shithole countries, which uh, Dave Ramsey talked about that years ago about going to some foreign place and, and everything was a negotiation. You know, it, it, you didn't, you, you didn't just pay the price. You, you haggled, you went back and forth. I'd say that's probably one of the most, most, uh, valuable lessons I ever taught you. Oh yeah. Was how not to pay an invoice. Oh yeah. Listen, I'm real good at reading them invoices. Um, at first he looked at me like, what? You know? Well, no, did you want to you want to trust people and you yeah, want to think that yeah. this person is competent at doing their job? They're not competent. Yeah. They don't have a clue. What do they call it when you when they when you take the the condom off and don't tell the partner? There's a word for that. <laughs> huh? <laughs> trust but verify. 
No, that's that, that. Those two things are not related to each other. Anyway. They are. They very much are. <clears throat> there's a word for it. I don't know what it is. But there's a word uh, for it. Somebody in prison right now that could probably answer that for you. Yeah. So <clears throat> it's what you get when you trust. Okay. Um. <clears throat> well, we hit the other day. You know, T A Petro when they do a chassis lube, it says right on the thing includes. Checking the boxes in the includes three box check. So one of the guys needed a service, needed a chassis lube, and he he texts us and he said, uh, "Yeah, they're saying that that's not included." And so I screenshotted another invoice and I'm like, "Show this to her because it's got the little code on it." But of course, they don't know how to. Well, they don't know what the damn codes are. And um, uh, but the people like I know more about TA's computer system than the people that work at TA. How does that happen? <clears throat> Larry, Sorry. is there any way to predict if fuel prices are going up or down from day to day? I will fill up one day at the cheapest price and the price will drop 20%, 20 cents overnight. <laughs> Excuse, me. Excuse me. Um, not really. Uh, you can, if you want to get in the weeds. First of all, <clears throat> fuel prices change at midnight. Uh, if you're an independent and you, if you want to, if you will get hooked up with NASTIC, N-A-S-T-C, National Association of Small Trucking Companies, their fuel card, whatever it's called, I forget now what it's called, um, they put out an email and, and they will, you can sign up for a notification where they'll tell you what the prices are going to be at midnight that night. Other than that, that's the only way I know to do it. Now, if you follow along with the, what's it called, the E-I-N? E-I-A. E-I-A. Um, it, it, you, you can. You can. It, it, it's very difficult to do. Uh, we don't try to worry about predicting so much. We just, we just look and make sure that we're, where we're going today, uh, you know, our, our fuel strategy is, is a little more complicated than most people. We buy fuel where we can find it the cheapest, regardless of whether we need it or not. So part of our trip planning is to look at fuel. Uh, at, at Landstar, we have an easy way of doing it because they have a, an app that we can look at our route, and it shows us all the fuel prices up and down the route. If you don't have that, what's the thing we used to use, Chris? Find cheap fuel. Uh, find fuel find stops. Fuel stops. Find fuel stops. com. It's not an app. It's an online It's an online website. But you can put in your route, and it will tell you what the fuel prices are along your route. If you'll take the time in the morning before you leave to check out that, then just buy the cheapest fuel you're going to pass that day. And, and that's, that works. I mean, look, we, 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 our fuel cost is, you know, about 20, low 20% of revenue. Um, I, you know, most people are somewhere from 28 to 32. I've seen a couple at 35. Um, but, it, but you don't, it's hard to predict, but you can at least research it and find out what you're passing today. What we try to teach people to do is, is don't wait till you need it because you don't have any choices then. You got to right. buy where you are. You're going to pass a lot of fuel stops in a day's time. If you take the time to research those and find the best one, fuel up there, uh, and then the same thing tomorrow. Make that part of your trip plan. That's the easiest way of doing it. And again, it's called findfuelstops.com if you want to if you want to use that. Uh, then also, there's a don't we have a Pro Miles? Don't they have a? I was just thinking about that because they they interviewed me on their podcast a few weeks ago. I, I, that's probably getting ready to drop. But he talked about they have a. Um, they have a fuel optimization yeah. tool 
that's what that's what you're doing. So that's what I would do. The one, you know, the advantage we have at Landstar, of course, we pay thirty five percent for it now. I mean, but we have an app that does that work for us. Not only that, but it takes the ifta out. And if that doesn't if that doesn't make any sense to you, then you you got you need to educate yourself more about that. So, and we've got an episode about that, by the way. So, <clears throat> Sonny says, um, "Is that Sonny who I think it's it is? Okay. It is." When you open the Nastic app, it will tell you as a banner, fuel will be going up or down after midnight tonight. Do so you, you have to be a member to open that, though? Probably, yeah. <clears throat> That's not a bad outfit. I, I went. I I'm never was an independent, but I went to their seminars twice because I thought it was pretty interesting down in Nashville. It's a good outfit. You mean to tell me that you went somewhere seeking information and advice from somebody other than Facebook? Twice. Twice. Royal Rise asks, do you think freight rates will go up? Yes. Absolutely. They will eventually. And then they'll come down again. Now, here. I, and then they're going to go up again. I want to go back. Again. I want to go back to this for a second, okay? Um, this, if you, if you look at this graph, and you can't see my cursor, so you're just going to have to think about it. But if you look at this graph, let me pull that. Uh, Can you make that full screen? No. 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 It's that's as good as it's gonna get. Why is there a QR code up there? Uh, because I put that up there. Here, I'll take it in. Oh, okay. Okay. If 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 you look at this, you know, the wave is is kind of uh, you know, like this. You know, it goes up and then down and up and down. And go and go down. back and look at the history on that. Okay. Well, I'm getting there. But what I mean, if you look at the waveform, okay, it it kind of goes like this. It's 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 proportional all the way through. Until you get to 2020, and then it goes crazy. Yep. It's also cyclical. That's what, that's what I was going right. to point out. It's yeah, cyclical. cyclical. Yes. It is cyclical, but but the 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 ratio. Is that cyclical? You know, is that like an STD? Cyclical? No? Okay. Lord have mercy. So, you know, between this 2,000 up and 2,000 down, it just – it. but I think – I mean, my – my thinking is that this is going to crash so hard, much harder than it has previously, um, because we've never had this many carriers as we do now. It is it's it's unbelievably out of whack, and we know that a lot of people. We've talked to a bunch of them. I talked to somebody today that that had to shut down. You know, and and we've run into a lot of people that either couldn't afford the insurance, or they're undercapitalized on the trucks, and they owe too much money, and they can't afford to make the payments. So I think it's it's highly likely that it could crash faster and harder than it has before, which just means the rebound comes faster. When your you know? question, when your question is, do you think freight rates will go up? If you mean go up to twenty twenty one levels, the answer to that is no. No. Will not probably never go never do that again, uh, but and, and the freight rates right now aren't the problem. The costs have gone up a lot. That's the now this ATBS and I keep telling you about the overall the overall um, moral to the story. The overall summation of what went wrong is that this the only way to survive is to control cost. Okay, mm-hmm. they're talking about the the advantages of, of hauling one more load. You know, you're absorbing all of your fixed costs in your first couple of loads during the week. 
Mm-hmm. The better your better your cost control is, the less loads it takes to control your first cost, your first right. your fixed cost. But either way, once you get the fixed cost absorbed, you take another load, except for variable costs, which is basically fuel and maintenance in your in your cost. It's much less than the fixed cost. That last load has a lot bigger profit margin in it. Mm-hmm. So they're advocating that take that last load. Now Landstar did that a couple of years ago. They had a big old thing about it. Haul one more load. Uh, but the other thing is, and, and look, and, and the thing that I've kept thinking the whole time I was in ATBS is now the great, the big thing you're talking about is, uh, listen, guys, control cost. They even talked about it. slow down. If you slow down, you'll save fuel. You know, I, look, at, we've been talking about this forever. Our whole business model is based on controlling cost. Guess what your number one cost is? Anybody want to say fuel? Fuel. Okay. And that's the last thing that most truck drivers want to hear about. Oh, if I have to worry about fuel, I'm not getting enough rate. Well, guess what? You're not getting enough rate right now, Jack. Maybe you ought to start looking at fuel. But controlling costs is what ATBS is saying. Here's how to survive is to control costs. Duh. There's a new concept for you, right? I wish, if there's one thing that's ever been on the internet, I wish I could have a screenshot of it was that guy that said, I think it was in a Landstar group, if you're worried about fuel prices, the rates, you're not getting you're enough not rate. getting enough rate. Yeah. 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 Well, how's that working for you right now? <laughs> okay. So, so no, it's all, it's all, uh, you know, it, no, the rates are never, the rates aren't that far off right now. The volume's a little bit, I don't know about everywhere, but Landstar, the volume's a little bit low. Um, you know, we, we need 35% of people to go away and, and they will. I mean, it, it's miserable while they do it. They're suffering. Mm-hmm. All that kind of stuff, but I mean, hey, I, I you know, business is business. Hey, it's, it's it's business is hard. Business is cruel. Business doesn't give a shit about your family. Remember? Nope. You know, so survival of the fittest. And if you listen, if you can't stand the heat, get the hell out of the kitchen. Okay, <laughs> go back to driving for somebody else. Most people should be driving for somebody else. Is that hard? Am I an asshole? Huh? <laughs> Most people should be driving for somebody else because the person that they drive for is probably better at making decisions than they are. Yeah. Everybody hates a care for what reason? Speed limiters. I got to fuel where? I don't like to fuel that. I want to fuel at petrol. They got better showers. You know, all these decisions are made for them. They get in their own truck, do their own thing, make the bad decisions, they go out of business, and they go, oh, shit, now I know why they did make me do that. You know, they know something about shit that I don't know about. I mean, 2023 is going to be a challenge. I mean, it already is. I mean, it's it's hard to find the loads that I'm looking for. It used to be $2,000 a day with that, you know, and that wasn't hard to do. Now I'm looking at $2,000 loads that take two days to get rid of, you know. Um, and, and the agents call, you know, and they'll be, hey, you know, I said, listen, darling, I'd love to help you, but. I can't spend two days on a two thousand dollar load, you know. I gotta have at least thirteen, kind of minimum, you know. I really want fourteen fifty. I'll drop down to twelve hundred if I have to, but I can't do a thousand dollars a day. I can't. I can't do it for the driver. I can't do it for the, you know. Now, I mean, I could do a thousand dollars a day if I can put it with two thousand tomorrow, you know, and I can average fourteen or fifteen hundred dollars. But I can't sit on a load for two thousand dollars for two days. Not not when eight months ago I was getting that in a day. You know, I, I can't go that, that low. And If you wouldn't haul that damn cheap freight, Chris, the rates <laughs> would come up. What the yeah. hell's wrong with you? Yeah. I, look, it, 
There's going to be a there's Landstar's going to have a couple of meetings at the truck show. Oh, I can't wait. And, and one of them, we're we, we're going we got front row seats. <clears throat> Was it who sets the uh, rates? Who sets the who rates? sets the rates? I'm gonna have I I need to I need the biggest prop. I can, I want the biggest bucket of popcorn that I can find. I'm gonna set up I'm gonna set up a camera in the corner oh, and record wait. the whole day. It could be a brawl. It could. You know who sets the rates? I, I can't wait to see that. Um, um, so a, a couple of things we haven't mentioned our sponsor yet, um, Pittsburgh Power guys. They're going to be at the truck show. If you don't know anything about them, go by their booth and talk to them. First of all, go see Doctor Jane and let her explain to you how the catalyst works. Okay, that'll Back be the most lunch. enlightening thing you've ever seen in your in your life. Okay, so go tell Doctor Doctor Jane that Larry sent you, and you want to know about the catalyst. Okay. Um, you know, they do all kinds of diesel performance stuff. You know, we use them for fuel mileage modifications. All right, it's what we use them for. Mm-hmm. So, um, good company. If you need a good shop, they're a great shop. Uh, but uh, do us a favor. Go by and tell them that you heard about them through the Blue Ribbon Podcast, okay? We like them as our sponsor. Uh, our sponsorship contract's coming up at the end of the truck show. So, guys, help us out, okay? Go over there and brag to it. Brag real big about how you heard about them from us. And that sort of thing. Our secondary sponsor is uh, what? What to help me with? What it's was got, that like? What podcast? was that like? Podcast. You guys got plenty of time to kill driving up and down the road. Uh, download Scott's stuff and um, and uh, patronize him. We appreciate that. He's a good guy. And we've not done him right, so we got to give him two or three extra free episodes. But help us out here, okay? And uh, look, come and find us at the truck show. We'd like to meet you guys. What are you doing? Um, my phone, my thing quit working again. Okay, I'm I'm like I'm like stopped or something. I've frozen up several times tonight. Is it is it that way on the podcast I'm or not just sure. on my monitor? Um, I'm not sure. I think we've been <clears throat> long. Well, my battery's about dead. That's another big problem. Do you think the Wi-Fi here just sucks? Is that I, I think is? that's a there's a high problem. Can we could we bring in like a hotspot or something? And can we do a T one? Can we do something here to get better Wi-Fi? We could. Well, listen, Richie's probably over watching porn, and it's and it's, it's eating up for all of our, eating up all all of our, bandwidth. our bandwidth. Yeah. All right. So, um, anyway, so uh, now next week I'm going to be in Aspen skiing with my grandchildren. I won't be here. You got somebody lined up for next week? I don't. You don't? Uh, I'll have to work on that. So we might be looking for a guest host next week. Anybody want to volunteer to to be a guest host next week? So I think that'd be a good job for Richie. Put your put your applications in. We do have listen. We've got some guys that want to give us trucks. Okay, uh, a couple of them are on here tonight. Uh, so we uh, we we're looking for some more drivers. If you guys want to be in the program, now look, we don't recruit because when we recruit, we get truck drivers. But understand something: if you want to come and learn the business of trucking. You want to understand how to get in this business and stay in this business. Uh, you're coachable. You're held accountable. You understand that we don't take, we don't do bullshit here. Um, check us out, and it's an 18 month program. Um, and uh, when you leave here, you'll know everything you need to know how to be an owner operator, especially a uh, owner operator successful in the Landstar system. So uh, go to, if you want to put the banner up there, Chris, the Drive For Us banner. It's up there. It is? Mm-hmm. Looking right there. There it is right there, Drive For Us. It's so small, though, with this new thing. Maybe I should go full screen. 
uh, drive for us. Uh, go put a submission in. We'll we'll reach out to you and set up a Zoom interview. And um, you know, we we'd love to talk to you. So that's all I got. I'm done. Yeah, me too. Uh, yeah. So uh, I won't I, be here next weekend. Somebody will be here. The I'll week after on. that, it's the truck show. We haven't figured out what we're going to do there yet. We're going to do something. I don't know if it's going to be live or not. We'll we'll figure out what we're going to do. Our company awards banquet is at this time on Friday night at the truck show. So we might do a little live thing real quick, and then I don't, I don't know what we'll do. We'll figure out something. But um, we might record some stuff as we walk around the truck show and just record that in advance and play it during the live uh, portion of this. But uh, I'm, I'm obligating Chris to a lot of shit here that he probably didn't want to hear. So. <laughs> That's that's one hundred. Since I don't have to deal with it, I don't really give a rat's ass, right? right. So, okay. Right. Well, we will see y'all next week, and um, uh, I'm gonna answer one more question. If you were a solo BCO, what would your t- daily target for revenue? Would this market be hard for you? No, no. My, this mark, well, this market would be challenging. Um, I would have it set at probably fourteen fifty. And my goal would be eight thousand. And if if I hit sixty five to seventy five hundred every week, I'd be happy. But my cost would be low enough as a solo BCO that I'd make money. You know, I'd be I'd be really profitable at that. So understand, we don't have truck payments, and we have low cost of fuel. We have low cost of operation. Mm-hmm. So what we can do with six thousand, seven thousand, eight thousand dollars is is phenomenal. Yep, it's significant. And gross revenue. So, okay. And we can teach you how to do that if you want to come get in the program. So. Yep. All right, y'all. We're going to shut her down and we will talk to y'all next week. Be safe, everybody. Talk to you next week. Well, I won't. I'm going to be an Aspen. <laughs> <laughs>